For our scripture reading this morning, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. Mark, chapter 5. We'll be looking at the first 20 verses. It's the story of the healing of a demon-possessed man, a broken life, a wounded family, a devastated circumstance, and how mercy comes to such. Mark chapter 5, and I'll read this in the same translation you're using there. The first 17 verses from the Gospel of Mark. They came... That's Jesus and his disciples. They came to the other side of the sea, that's the Sea of Galilee, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demons as man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Thus our reading from God's holy word. May he bless that word to us. What we find written here, described here, is a horror 
I mean, we read it, and you've maybe read it before. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is, talk about a dead-end life. You know, we can talk about our children sometimes that way. How's your son doing? Well, he got a promotion. He's with this trucking firm, and he's not a trucker anymore. He's actually heading up some new department, say. So how's Bill? Oh, wow. Or we can talk about a daughter. Well, yeah, she's been a nurse for some time, and she loves her job. And, and then, you know, you could reach back to this day and age. And how's your son? Oh, that's right, demon man. The crazy. The maniac who lives in the graveyard hangs out around tombs, who slashes himself, goes about naked, a crazy, the demon demon man. Talk about a dead in life. Wow. Talk about problems. Wow. It's a horror. We're told in a rather matter-of-fact way that they, Jesus and his disciples, went across the lake or the sea, the Sea of Galilee, to the region of the Gerasenes. To us, that's just gobbledygook. To Jesus and his disciples, they know you get on the other side of that sea and you're no longer in the arena where you have synagogue-going people. You're no longer in the arena of church-going folks, of how can we please God and be religious. You get on the other side, and now you're dealing with a very Greekified, Hellenized, paganized, unbelieving, not, they don't know the God of the Bible, and they don't live that way either. And yet this was still literally promised land from the Old Testament. Jesus goes to the other side to bring mercy. He goes to the undesirable side, perhaps. People would think of it that way. Because mercy comes in unexpected places. You can, if you want to have some knobs to hang a sermon on, you could think of it that the sermon moves from from misery to mercy to marvel or from wreckage to resistance to wonder. doesn't matter which knob you pick, but let's look at this because... Where there's dead ends, mercy provides a new beginning. And you find that right here. Now, they come to this region of the Gerasenes. And the welcoming committee for Jesus and his disciples is demon man. In fact, he sights Jesus from afar and runs to him. And upon coming to Jesus screams, shouts out, what do you have to do with me, 
Jesus, Son of the Most High God. Backstory to this man, demon man, is he's a man with an evil spirit living among the tombs. No one could bind him. They had put him in chains and shackles and being filled with demonic power, he'd broken the shackles, wrenched himself free, had gone about in naked, cutting himself, shrieking. It's the kind the kind of scene in which some ornery teenagers, you know, on a Friday night or whatever night, let's try to get a peek of demon man. And you peek up over the hill and he shrieks and you see him and now you're running for your life in fear. It's a horror. An absolute dead end. No one had the strength to subdue him, and there he is, this maniac, demon-possessed freak. He is the welcoming committee when Jesus reaches the other side. But notice, demons always seem to understand things that ordinary folk don't. First of all, without introduction, they know he's Jesus, son of the Most High. Demons know who Jesus is. Your next-door neighbor probably doesn't, but demons do. You probably have family members who don't, but demons do. Sometimes you have doubts of faith about Jesus, but the demons get it. Jesus, the Savior, the Son of the Most High God. For Jesus was saying to the man simultaneously, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Come out of the man. Commanding is the one who has authority over demons. What's your name? This isn't a man who has a demon, a man possessed by a legion of demons. Think of a Roman legion. You can look that one up on your phone after the service. How many is in a legion? Legions are name. Filled with demons were many. And he, they begged, or through the man, begged Jesus again and again, begging again and again, don't send us forth from this area. We like it here. We're comfortable here. We reign here. We afflict here. We bring life down here. Don't send us away. Now, to this Greekified area, this paganized part of promised land where Satan is reigning, not the kingdom of God. The the holiness and the will of God isn't what's happening here, but evil stuff is happening here, and the devil likes it that way, right? We read about pigs. Now, there's a context. There's a reason that's told. Not sheep, but pigs. Because if you go back in the Old Testament, pigs at that time, swine, were reckoned unclean animals. So that for God's people back in the Old Testament, that was as part of the dietary laws of serving God. You didn't raise swine. You didn't eat swine. It wasn't on the menu. But what you find in promised land are people raising swine as part of their living. Another indicator 
uh, that this has fallen away from God's will at that time. Of course, all foods are clean now, but not then. Another indicator that this is a broken place. Well, it so happens the demons beg Jesus, send us among the pigs. Let us enter the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And Jesus gives them the permission because demons can only do what Jesus tells them to do and allows them to do in that sense. And the evil spirits came out, went into the pigs, and then a new horror. The, the, the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down this steep bank and then drowned, fell off the bank into the Sea of Galilee and drowned. A horror. When my oldest son was about oh, nine years old, he, he drew a picture of that. And it was quite a picture because he shows them tumbling off the bank and he has hogs and pigs in every which direction with their frightened faces and eyes going in all directions. And, you know, it was one of those very memorable proud parrot moments like, wow. Yes, a horror. Also, an economic catastrophe. For the owners of the hogs. This isn't a good thing. I just lost years of work. Wow. Well, demons are good at doing stuff like that. They enter the hogs and now they're drowned in the sea. Those tending the pigs run off and report all the happenings to the townspeople and along the countryside. And now this is such a big deal. Everyone's come out to find out what's going on. It's important for us to see, though, that Jesus is there on a mission of mercy, a mercy mission. He goes there to minister, and he ministers to that which is in front of him, in this case, a demon-possessed, wrecked, ruined life, this man, demon boy. And now you see the misery of it all. You see the wreckage. We look around our world, and people don't have to be filled with demons to be under the devil's sway. People don't have to be demon-possessed in order for their life to show the savagery and the wreckage and the ruin and the misery of a sinful way of living, a broken way of living, uh, an indecent way of living, a, a, a not doing God's will way of living. There's sorrow and there's breakage and there's betrayal and there's suspicion and there's jealousy and there's hatred and accusation and fracturing, and there's wreckage, there's ruin, there's misery. Not just there, then, on that other side, on our side, in our world, in our land, our community, our town, our families. Still. But there's also ministry of mercy on that side, too. Not just... We're good church folks, you know, mercy for us because we're good church folks and church folks deserve mercy. <laughs> no, no one does. Mercy comes to us in our wreckage and our ruin 
in our need, in our brokenness, in our backsliding, in our repeat offenses, because we're all repeat offenders, right? He's a repeat offender, and who's not? Who isn't? Well, from the wreckage, on the one hand, you could say we next find, well, mercies manifest here, but we also find resistance, from wreckage to resistance. Those tending the pigs, as I said, they announce it to the town. The town comes out, and they come, and they see the effects of mercy. They saw the man who'd been demon-possessed, the crazy man, the maniac, the guy going around naked, the guy slashing himself, this wacko, this crazy, this frightened guy you can't even chain up, the guy living in the tombs. There he is, sitting, dressed in his right mind. And they all said, saying, praise God from whom all blessings flow. No. <laughs> they were afraid. You know, when God gets really close, sinners get a scared. <laughs> sinners get a scared when God gets really close. It's like the poor preacher playing uh, golf with some group of uh, strangers. And what do you do after eight, nine holes? Oh, I'm a preacher. Oh, <laughs> don't want to talk to you anymore. You were fine with me <laughs> eight holes ago. <laughs> For half of an afternoon, it was great. <laughs> What's wrong? God's getting near. I don't want God in my turf. That's why what do they do? They're afraid. And they, they're, they're told. Those who had seen it told them. They bear witness. This is what happened. The demon-possessed man. The, the demons were driven out of him. They entered the pigs. And all that happened. And the people began to plead with Jesus, leave. Resistance. Leave. Everyone, if we only had Jesus, as Jesus was here, all kinds of people would be saying, leave. We don't want you. We don't want your kind. Get out of here. Not you. Leave. But look what's happened. Leave. Wow. You know, that ought to teach us a thing or two about the nature of sin. You can go all the way back to the garden story with Adam and Eve, and they fall into sin, and it's not like, where's God? I got news for him. I'm like you now. <laughs> no, God comes a-calling, and they're hiding. Isn't it interesting that wrongdoing is something we always want to keep under wraps? You have an affair. Let me spread it to the world. Wife, I found a new girlfriend. No, you keep it under wraps. Did someone see me? Name your sin any sin. That's why the sins that can most dog you sometimes are the ones that you can hide in your heart or practice in the privacy of your home. God, leave. I don't want to be exposed. Stay out. Stay away. Go away. Jesus sends out the demons, and those who were comfortable with this paganized life send out Jesus. Q. 
curious, isn't it? We live in a world in which the way God is sent away is to ignore him. God? Who? Huh? What? Who's God? You watch television shows? What God? Huh? He, he exists? Really? The best way of, of denying God is to pretend he's a no account. If there is one, it doesn't matter. He's a, he's a tired grandpa who can't keep up with the times or the latest technology. Whatever God is, he's irrelevant. Stay away. Leave. We live in a culture that spurns the only cure. We see so much that's broken in our world. We do see injustice. We see racial frictions and injustice. We see all kinds of things that are wrong. But we're not going to make it right by hating our neighbor by instinct, by our old sinful nature. The only way we're going to make progress is to have the king of kings lay a new foundation in our hearts to build community. You can twist our morality, uncle, with a scowl. How different to change a heart that embraces, that repents, that serves, that loves. Leave, they say to Jesus. Do we believe that only by the saving good news of the gospel this world can be saved? That's the Bible story. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Because the world, the given there, it's a perishing world, a broken, fractured world that needs God's gift, God's solution, God's answer, the Savior. This is why mercy doesn't just come to the disciples and the synagogue-going folks on the other side of the sea, but he, he travels yonder cross Sea of Galilee to those folks to bring and minister mercy. Now, what happens here is startling, because if we go from misery to mercy, it ends in marvel. You go from wreckage to resistance to wonder. How do we get to wonder out of Jesus leaving? Because that's what we're told. Uh, leave, and as Jesus accommodates them, as Jesus was getting into the boat, he, he, he had one big act of, of mercy here. Leave, and he accommodates. He was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. He, he wants to stay with Jesus. He wants to be part of this. Here's, here's the big answer, the solution, the way, the truth, the light, the hope. Jesus didn't let him. Nope. I want to come. No. Instead, he commissions him. Go home. He's fit. He's dressed. He's in his right mind. His shattered, sin-tattered life has been restored. There's a future. There's a new beginning. Go home to your family. Go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Bear witness. That's what he does. Bear witness. 
and how he has had mercy on you. Now pause for a moment. Did he ask for mercy? No. Did he need mercy? Yes. What, if you ask yourself of people you know that are estranged from God, who seem to be looking for love in all the wrong places, who seem to follow one bad decision after another, who ever seem to be caught in a tangle of brokenness, what do they need? You could say, now, what do they deserve? Well, what do we all deserve? We, we deserve God's judgment and wrath and displeasure. I mean, no, don't have to argue about that one. What we deserve, I get completely, yes. A mean world filled with a lot of mean people. What do they deserve? But what do they need? They need mercy. What do you need? What does your sister need? What does your brother need? Maybe you have family members that are addicted to alcohol or drugs. What do they need? You can be frustrated with them and say, this is what they deserve. But what do they need? Don't they need at God's initiative his healing hand, his mercy, his grace, his kindness? What do you need? Should God treat you according to what you deserve or according to what you need? I know I need grace every day. I need forgiveness every day. I need God's patience every day. Don't you? You need God's help every day. This man need, and what does this community need? I don't let you don't get to come with me back to synagogue going. You stay here in this Hellenized, paganized. One reason we know it's Hellenized and paganized is because of the name it's given, the Decapolis. That's Greek for ten cities. It's so Hellenized it uses a Greek term to talk about it. You go be my witness. Go home to your family, to your friends, and tell them how much the Lord is and how you have received mercy. Notice that his witnessing program isn't that he's skilled in speech, isn't that he's gone to seminary, isn't that he's been trained up, isn't that he's a silver-tongued sort of person. It's simply tell others what God has done for you. That's all God expects of us. Just tell others what God has done for you. The, the results will be some people think you're nuts. Some people think you're crazy. Some people think you're, you're silly, you're gullible, or religion's a crutch and all this stuff. We've heard a million of them. But God's the one who will open the heart, and it's like, tell me more. How do I learn more? And now this church has opportunity to help disciple such persons. You can always start with members of your own family, right? And people you work with, neighbors you might have. He's not making you canvas neighborhoods. Go tell your, your family. Go tell your friends. Start there. What God has done. 
So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, the ten cities, so all the cities that lined up along the Sea of Galilee on that side, how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people marveled. Demon man is Jesus man. (laughs) Crazy is now filled with the spirit of the Christ. Broken, dead in life, is now has a new life testifying to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hopeless life is now spreading the message of hope to a whole region. Started with family and friends, but he began to tell it in the Decapolis, the ten cities. He exceeded the mandate, if you will. It's a beautiful story in the people marveled, wondered, wreckage, resistance, wonder. And now a calling for the church today. Because don't we look at our own lives? Some of us, no doubt, could tell a faith story that talks about the wreckage in our life, our resistance, but mercy that found us nonetheless. And and now we're bearing witness in wonder. We, we have a song for that one. It's called Amazing Grace. And you know, I like to tell students this. You know, someone, grace is just marvelous. It's, just, it's absolutely amazing. Someone ought to write a song about that. Oh, wait. They have. Amazing. Me. Grace, mercy for me. Amazing for you, for the other side, too. Think of any undesirable. Think of any wrecked, ruined life. Think of anything that you would reckon as a dead end, hopeless. That wasn't. And now a new beginning. I hope this is an encouragement. We know that what happened in that region is in the year 70 AD, the Jews decided to try to resist the Romans, the big mighty Roman Empire. And they thought they could take up the sword against the Romans, and they were wrong because the Romans sent their armies in there and crushed them, slaughtered them, broke down the temple, hunted the Jews down. The Christians that were living in Jerusalem at the time fled for their lives, looking for a place. They were refugees, looking for a place they could flee to, to find harbor, safety, solace, embrace, help. You know where they found it? In one of the ten cities, a place called Pella. And there they found a community of believers where as believers, they could find refuge. I like to think that the witness that started with this one demon man, now Christ's man, was the first seeds to bring the gospel in a region that changed it, was able to welcome Christians many years later. So let us plant the seeds of witness that God gives us 
we don't have to be harvesters. Paul taught us, you know, one guy does some seed planting, another guy does some watering, but it's God who gives the increase. So we don't need to be God. We just need to plant, water, disciple, serve, tell others what God has done for us. From wreckage to our resistance, but finally to wonder. Good news for the world. Amen. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we praise the one who breaks the darkness. We praise the one who's broken our darkness. We praise you because your mercy comes in unexpected places, even here, even to us, even to me. Hear our prayer and continue to serve forth your mercy for Jesus' sake. Amen.